Welcome to the next best podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman. He's been described as tough, handsome, talented, sensitive, dynamic. And Chris Daniels. He's been compared to Nicholson, De Niro, and Brando. Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the next best podcast. Hey, that's Chris Daniels over there. Hi there, Chris Cashman. Good to see you, buddy. We got a busy show today. We are going to talk about a saga that never seems to end. Yes, the new plan for Occidental in Seattle's Stadium District. You won't believe this one. Yes, and from twits to Twitter, Chris, they say that by the end of this year, there will be more words tweeted out than in all the books ever written. We will tell you exactly what that means. And there's a new Baseball Hall of Famer. I think he's a little puffed up. I don't know if it's because of performance-enhancing drugs, but he's in the Hall of Fame. It's a name you probably aren't thinking about. Edgar's not in, but this guy is, and he's never even played. Whatever, we'll get to that. And Richard Simmons, the subject of the hottest podcast out there. He is no longer sweating to the oldies, but he's also (laughs) not being held captive. That's true. It's in the news. We'll talk about that. And we always like to talk about food, and there's no better than pizza. How much would you pay to have your order delivered before everybody else's? We'll talk about that and more. Let's go. Now, it's the Fast Five. Chris, I am looking at an article that you wrote right here from pin5.com. It pains me to see the headline. (laughs) I didn't want to read it. I want all of this to go away and for you to wake me up when this is all over and the Sonics are back. We have talked about the Sonics almost every week since we started this podcast because it seems like every week or two some new twist some new development pops up can you try to make sense of the latest in terms of the soto arena deal occidental once an obscure street now the most talked about street in seattle what's going on well because it's a main thoroughfare right that's why everybody talks about it no um you know, I sense some sarcasm <laughs> there. Did I have the sarcasm filter on? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if you had the sarcasm filter on, but I definitely had Occidental on my mind uh, when the truck, propane truck, went over uh, not too long ago in the yeah. middle of the freeway. Yeah. Uh, photographer Matt Mrazinski and I driving back from the King-Snohomish border. Took us two hours to get back to the station. Bumper-to-bumper traffic. We had to go through South Lake Union. In Seattle. We, huh. Yeah, Seattle. I-5, off I-5, 99. South Lake Union cut through back onto I-5. We get back near the station, and Matt turns onto Occidental, and the only road that was wide open during Carmageddon that night was Occidental. Yeah, I put that out on Twitter, uh, and uh, it had like a thousand retweets. I think people know about this street, like you said, more than uh, a lot of... Um, uh, not so heavily driven roads or something like that. If for some reason yeah. somebody just came out of a 10-year coma, they had yeah. no idea what was going on. How do you explain this? Basically, we've got an investment group. Now Russell Wilson, the yes. celebrity uh, sidekick to that one. Chris Hansen's put up the money. They've got the land. They want to put an arena in Soto, but the city kind of seems to keep getting in the way, saying, nope, that's vital. The port needs it. They need that road, even though... By all measure, the road is a ghost town. So uh, a lot of people know Occidental if they go to a Mariners game or Seahawks game because yeah. that is an area where people tailgate or That's they walk traffic. down. Yeah. That's where foot traffic is. Chris Hansen in the arena discussion has asked for a one-block stretch 
between Massachusetts and Holgate uh, to be eliminated. He would he would pay the city money to uh, buy this one little stretch and says the money can be used for other transportation purposes. Went to the council in May uh, of last year. Council said no. That's because the Port of Seattle and others have argued that that is a vital link for transportation in Soto. Obviously, it's very frustrating to the average person, the average fan, because it seems to make sense that you would have CenturyLink Field, the Hawks are playing over there. Next door, you've got the Mariners at Safeco Field, and then just a couple of blocks over here, now we've got our new arena for the NBA and the NHL. And it just seems to make sense at face value, and even on paper to many respects. So why do you think this seems to be such pun intended, a roadblock when it comes to the city saying, no, 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 we need that road. It's so vital. It's so important when now... <laughs> That's your segue, right? The, roadblock? The article I have in front of me written by Chris Daniels and King5.com, you can go see it, basically is talking about Seattle DOT planning for a lander overpass that, oh, by the way, would block Occidental. So it, it's funny how... I'll, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Funny how these stories kind of pop up. So somebody emails me out of the blue uh, a few days ago and says, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen these sketches from SDOT that they are planning on creating two dead ends down in Soto at Lander Street in order to build the Lander Street overpass, which is something that the Port of Seattle has asked for for a decade. Taxpayers have actually funded now a couple of times uh, money for this project. It's uh, something that the port has asked for to help with maritime freight uh, traffic that the city has wanted because they, they believe that traffic gets held up by the railroad tracks and all the freight that goes through there. So this is something that a lot of people have wanted. Uh, what's interesting about this though is Lander is three blocks down from where Chris Hansen has asked for the street vacation. And uh, so person emails me this, says, have you seen this? I say, no. These designs show SDOT is planning on building this overpass with two dead ends. Meaning in order to build this ramp, they have to dead end on Occidental because that's where the ramp would start to go up in the support columns. And they say that's based on community feedback, stakeholder input, and recent traffic analysis that there is limited use of the north-south through traffic. This all is really plays into the argument that Chris Hansen had made several months ago. Um, and I, I look at these, these designs and it says, this is of September of last year, as of September of last year. These are six months old. They've just been sitting on the SDOT website for six months and nobody has noticed it. And I called SDOT. Hiding in plain sight. Hiding in plain sight. Out Weird, in the because open SDOT's my homepage. Yeah. How did I miss that? Huh. <laughs> and I said, hey, is, uh, has anything changed? Talked to a couple of people at SDOT. Nope, nothing's changed. That's still our plan. We're just trying to finalize uh, an $18 million funding gap to build all of this. Uh, and, and I called the city council member, Rob Johnson, same thing. He had not seen the design. He was focused on the funding gap. Called the Port of Seattle. They had not seen this design. Uh, the Port of Seattle gets back to me, uh, Peter McGraw, the spokesperson there, and says, you know, we don't really have a position on uh, that overpass. Uh, we've always been concerned about Occidental between Atlantic hmm. and Holgate, which is the exact stretch that Chris Hansen yeah. is uh, is trying to make way of with uh, with this arena. 
but it, it, it's funny. It's it's three blocks south. I think a lot of people uh, read that and they scratch their head after all these debates about the importance of Occidental and how it's supposed to be a through street. I know not everybody agrees with the Port of Seattle's arguments, uh, but that is that has been a street that has been argued for and against now for several months about how important it is uh, or how important it isn't. And here's S. Dot saying, "Oh no, it's fine. We can put a dead end there to yeah. build this other overpass." Uh, it just uh, kind of uh, counters the entire arguments uh, or arguments that we've uh, heard now for so long. In a way, funny. When you posted this online, it lit our corner of the internet on fire because at face value, fans see this as, "Oh, I see." So the guy who owns the land and has the money and wants to put in an arena and bring the Sonics back, and quite possibly the NHL hockey to town, turned away repeatedly. But we're going to go ahead and fund, we'll, but we'll put in an overpass there and two dead ends. Twitter had plenty to say about it. Speaking of which... Four. Four. Yes, from Twits to Twitter, Chris. Uh, believe it or not, it was back in March 21st, 2006. Jack Dorsey, the creator of Twitter, posted the very first ever tweet. And it took over three years. It was actually the end... Uh, May 2009, that they reached the billionth tweet mark. Wow. About two years ago, they estimated that this very year in 2017, we would officially have more words tweeted out than in all of the books ever written. Wow. So that led me to do a little bit of research here, and I wanted to know exactly what kind of traffic are we talking about on Twitter. You're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. It's yes. sort of industry standard. Certainly yes. in media, you have to be able to send out links to video. Sometimes it's point of view and all of that. Uh, there is a live ticker that you can check on that shows you exactly how many tweets are going out right now, and it's just spinning like a speedometer, like one of those commercials where yeah. they're testing the durability of tires. It's that kind of a thing. Every second, on average, around 6,000 tweets are tweeted. That's about 350,000 tweets per minute, 500 million tweets per day, and around 200 billion tweets per year. It's <laughs> a lot of tweets. Now, granted, some of those are just people saying, look at this sandwich. But hidden amongst the obscure tweets are some trends, Chris. And again, these go back to uh, last year and sometimes even 2015. Some of the data is not out for the very end of 2016 or this year. But uh, what do you think is the most tweeted emoji to date? Based on about uh, first couple of months into 2016, which emoji do you think is the most popular and was attached to the most tweets? Uh, happy face, smiley face? It was actually the tears of joy. <laughs> 14 and a half billion <laughs> oh, man. tweets attached to that. Uh, most mentioned person on Twitter is... Kim Kardashian. It's actually Justin Bieber. Oh. Also known as the Kim Kardashian. <laughs> of males on Twitter. <laughs> now we're going to end it with this one because it's practical. The percentage of drivers that admit to tweeting while operating their vehicle. What percentage of drivers do you say admit, yes, I tweet while I'm driving? 10%? It's actually 14%. Oh, I was close. And the percentage of Twitter users that tweet, quote, all the time while driving, 30% wow. of people. This is uh, this data is actually a year old. So in 2016, I can think of a few things people were probably yeah. tweeting about in the fall yeah. and, and following a certain uh, Twitter user. I you know it, it's funny, right around that time in 2016, a lot of people were writing articles about how Twitter was dead. 
and dying. Sure. And that Twitter has no future. And what is Twitter going to do to stay alive and compete with Facebook? And uh, I, I think a, a but couple of, course, of presidential candidates actually gave it a nice shot in the arm. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people reference President Obama as one of those people who really embraced Twitter and really reached out to a demographic that maybe had not been, you know, the younger, the hipper crowd, the people who were online. Of course, this last election, uh, some people blame Twitter, you know, either way yeah. for influencing things. I also have in front of me the 10 most popular tweets of all oh. time. This does not include 2016 okay. data yet, but I don't know that that will uh, uh, even crack the top 10, believe it or not. Here's the top 10. I won't even go through all of them. Uh, 10, Andrew Malcolm tweeting about uh, Pedigree donating a bowl of dog food for dogs in need. So it's a good cause there, yeah. cracking the top 10. That's at number 10. Number 9, Zayn Malik. Do you know who that is? No. He was uh, one of the members of One Direction, the boy band. Oh, that's why. <laughs> and uh, I won't read his tweet, but it was, it was rather nasty. But it was something he sent out about a, a week before he left One Direction, of course. A very, very dark week for so many He of went us. in a different direction. Uh, not to be outdone, number eight, Harry Styles. He's a more famous member yes. of the very same I, I band. I've heard his name, yeah. Uh, at number seven, yet another person from One Direction, Niall Horan. Uh, I could be saying that name wrong, but that probably makes me cooler to certain people. <laughs> and I lose some cred with another demographic. Uh, number six, Barack Obama. Cracking that list for more years. He tweeted there, number five, I'm very sorry to say, is Harry Styles again. Wow. That tells you something about He uh, out-tweeted yeah. the President Obama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll skip all the way down here to number one. What do you think was the most tweeted thing? And again, not counting 2016 with politics. What do you think was the most tweeted, most retweeted? You know, what got the most action on Twitter? And this is of all time. Uh, was this uh, maybe 2013 President Obama has something to do with it? It was Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> and it was a promotional stunt, in part from Samsung Galaxy's phone. We all remember oh, now, of course, yes, when she yes, took yes, the selfie yes. with all the stars. That was in 2014. Everybody retweeted that. In fact, it was so popular that The Simpsons even did a parody of that. Speaking of which... Three, three. Hard to argue the popularity and the influence of The Simpsons. It knocked us all over. I, I, there was nobody who didn't watch The Simpsons. I, I can still remember the, the, the origins of The Simpsons with the Fox Network with uh, the Tracy Ullman show. There were shorts within the Tracy Ullman yep. show. And then uh, the first shows that came out of the Fox network were Married with Children and Tracy Ullman show and The Simpsons. And at the time it was like, they're really kicking off this network with a cartoon and the staying power that they've had. And obviously the local connection uh, with Evergreen State College. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you've always looked at this show a little bit differently uh, locally because of that, because there have been local references, like about the monorail and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Seattle! <laughs> Stop it, you're killing me! <laughs> Seattle! It's bizarre to reference it as an old-fashioned yeah. show, as is the one before Family Guy and all of these shows yeah. that are so popular right now. But it was The Simpsons that so completely crossed pop culture and, and broke through so many barriers and made so many funny connections that it was announced, uh, in fact, just last month was the 25th anniversary of Homer at Bat, a very famous episode 
that featured Wade Boggs, Dodd Manigley, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. was in it, Ozzie Smith was in it. Uh, basically, they put together a softball team, and of course, they win the big game. Homer wins with a walk-off hit by a pitch. Uh, and in case you don't remember, Homer at bat, here's what it sounded like. As your new manager, I want to say this up front. No one is assured a spot in the starting lineup. I don't care if your name is Steve Sachs or Daryl Strawberry or Smithers. What's one of the bad players' names? Homer Simpson, sir. Or Homer Simpson. Secondly, instead of beer, from now on, you'll all be drinking this. It's a brain and nerve tonic, rich in proteids and electromagnetic juices. It promotes robust health. Of course, it has been known to cause gigantism, but only in rare cases. Try some. Wow. It's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. Excellent. That, of course, the voice of Ken Griffey Jr. So it was a very popular episode, and a lot of that episode was about sport. A lot of this series, I should say, was about sports in general and about baseball. And because of that, they have announced that the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum will pay tribute to The Simpsons, and they will actually put Homer into the Hall of Fame. That's going to happen on May 27th. I am the champion. I am the champion. No time for losers. Because I am the champion of the world. And they're actually going to have a roundtable discussion, it says. They're going to have it right outside the hall. And The Simpsons will have its own kind of commemorative place in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that the players you just mentioned, too, a lot of them now Hall of Famers as well. The the transcendent nature of that show, you're right, it broke kind of through all these uh, cultural barriers and it became more than just a cartoon. You had people like those Hall of Famers, like Ken Griffey Jr. said, oh, wait, you want me to voice something on The, the Simpsons? Sure, sign me up. And uh, yeah, you saw all these fa- famous names and faces, especially in those first few years of, of that old time show you called it. That, oh, that makes me feel old. That's the right brother's plane. At Kitty Hawk in 1903, Charles Lindbergh flew it 15 miles on a thimble full of corn oil. Single-handedly won us the Civil War, it did. Speaking of old, he is no longer sweating to the oldies, but Richard Simmons is back in the news in some bizarre and strange ways. As new podcasters here, Chris, we must pay tribute to those who paved the way before us the Lewis and Clarks of podcasting. Actually, one of the most popular podcasts to top the charts right now, and yes, there are charts for the podcasts. Uh, and In fact, we've cracked the top ten. Alternative facts. But David, they don't need to know that. They don't need to know that. Uh, but one of the most popular podcasts right now is one that focuses on Richard Simmons, Finding Richard Simmons. I listened to an episode. It is quite captivating because the story is basically that Richard Simmons, who everybody knows... Hard to get more famous than Richard Simmons, certainly, in his heyday. has essentially, by all measures, vanished over the past few years. He was once very, very public. He had a, a, a his own fitness gym in Hollywood called Slimmins, and people were shocked that he was there every day, even when he was the height of his fame. You know, as famous as it gets on all the talk shows, a multi-millionaire has a big mansion in Beverly Hills. He was still there every day. You'd pay your 12 bucks, you'd go in and you'd work out with Richard at his place, Slimmons, and then mysteriously he just stopped coming. And that's essentially the focus of this podcast. What happened? It's kind of a, a documentary, but in audio form, and it talks about what happened, Why? where is he? Because the rumors surfaced that his best friend was his housekeeper, and that maybe she was kind of essentially holding him captive, and that he was 
you know, he's now 68 years old. So was he actually being held against his will? Was he a, a hostage, <laughs> and certainly a hostage by his housekeeper as some of the reports were coming out? Uh, that's the focus of the podcast. It's a multi-part. I've only listened to the first episode. It is quite fascinating because they talk about just how gracious Richard was socially and that he would, uh, they actually ride along with one of those star tour coaches. And the guy says, you know what? Of all the celebrities, Richard is by far the most dependable. When we pull up out front of his house, Richard would pop open the windows of his big giant mansion. Wait, I'm coming, I'll be right there. <laughs> he would run down, he would come out, he would greet these these buses and he would, they actually have audio of him encouraging people, get off, come on, let's take photos. It didn't get any more gracious than than Richard Simmons. So it's all the more baffling that he would just suddenly disappear and stop returning phone calls, stop returning emails. And this has gone on for a couple of years now. So And, and I think uh, you said it, but a lot of people of a certain age probably don't know who Richard Simmons is. And if he was in... Oh, you're right. We were just talking was, about The Simpsons. Now yeah, we got to explain Richard if, Simmons. If to he people. was in today's culture, he would be one of the biggest users on Twitter. He'd be... Uh, all over gossip magazines and websites and TMZ uh, on a daily basis. But back in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, he's on Hollywood Squares. He's on every game show, talk show, Password, uh, that old game show. He if would you be literally still don't know who Richard yeah. Simmons is, he was a fitness expert. Yeah. And he was just a ball of energy. He was just excitable and excited. He was probably the best guest ever on David Letterman. I think he was on Letterman like 30 times. And he was he very... come on and he would just shot out of a cannon. And it, besides the energy, he had the hair, uh, that, that fro, and he had the, the shorts, the, the short shorts. And... Was he wearing shorts? I couldn't tell. <laughs> only got an, an inch of fabric there. But yes, he had his own style, his yeah. own energy, sweating to the oldies. Uh, every, everybody's mom. Money. Everybody's he, mom. He probably made a DVDs. ton of money yeah. off those VHS. VHS, tapes. you're right. It wasn't yeah. even DVDs. Yeah. Uh, so he was just as charismatic as it gets. Yeah. And in fact, even talking about this story uh, in the building at King Five, numerous people came up and said, "I've got a Richard story." Uh, he would come through town on promotional tours, and everybody's story starts with him just making an entrance. I'm here. <laughs> he would just burst <laughs> through the door. A wonderful life force. You I'm know. just laughing right now because I, I think the, the people on the other side of the Next Best Podcast studio are probably wondering, uh, what is Cashman yelling about? That's true. We do yeah. share walls at the CNC <laughs> Podcast Factory, so uh, I apologize to anybody. <laughs> there has been an update to this TMZ as uh, one of those who's come out and said, hey, because I did have this reaction when I listened to that episode. I thought, this is riveting. This is super interesting. But if we're really worried about him, why didn't someone just go? They say they know exactly where he lives. They, And that was one of the more recent developments is that they suddenly have a fence out front of his house, which was never there before. Mm. So is this more reclusive? Is this to, to further keep distance from people? And But why? But I couldn't help but wonder, why don't we just cut to the chase here? If people know him, they know where he lives. Go bang on the door. Let's find out. Let's make sure he's okay. Yeah. And uh, TMZ has finally come out and said that he is doing, quote, perfectly fine. Contrary to reports that he is being held hostage by his housekeeper, uh, law enforcement sources told the LAPD that they did go to his house. Again, he's 68 years old. He's there in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, they were there a couple of weeks ago for a welfare check. And, you know, and at least one person had called him and said, hey, we hear he's being held hostage. So they finally did go and check on him and they said, these of sound mind and perfectly fine, end quote. There's still a lot of questions 
and until he comes out and does an interview and says exactly what's going on, which by the time we publish this may have happened, uh, I think there's a lot of curiosity about what's happening with Richard. Why is he hiding? You know, it, it's possible that it is medical. It's possible that, you know, he's just not in a position where he wants to be social anymore. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going on. But again, if you're even remotely interested in this, I know I was. Richard was so just larger than life for decades. And you can find his podcast, Finding Richard Simmons, right well, now. I was going to say, maybe he broke down the fitness expert and finally started eating some pizza. Mmm. Segway. Fun. Fun. Chris, we always love to end the podcast whenever possible talking about food. And today is no different. You like pizza. I like pizza. I like pizza. I know these are bold admissions here on the Next Best Podcast. Uh, but it is Papa John's that has come out with a new tactic. Did you hear about this? No, tell me more. Uh, how much would you pay to have your order delivered sooner? Uh, maybe a buck. I didn't need a real answer. That was just yeah, kind of one of those maybe questions. A buck. I was yeah. throwing out there. <laughs> Papa John's is uh, experimenting in select markets for a limited time only. See delivery details on approval of credit, you know, all that stuff. Yeah with the idea of what they're calling Papa's Priority, where you could pay about three bucks to bump your order up in front of the line. Now, this has got people excited and angry because, hey, great, I'm starving, I want it now. Sure, I'll pay three bucks, right? Three bucks to have yours skip the line and hopefully come sooner. On the other end, you're gonna have people saying, hey, wait a minute, I placed my order, I paid my money, I don't wanna know that I'm getting bumped by somebody else who's paying $3. Uh, I have printed off the terms and conditions from Papa John's exact website to tell you exactly what's going on. Because they're kind of taking the airline approach. You know, with this, pay a little bit extra. You want a little bit extra? Pay a little bit extra. And the airline's, of course, known for their great yeah. food, yeah. so it just makes <laughs> sense. Uh, here it is from their terms and conditions. At Papa John's, we always strive to deliver your pizza in a safe and timely manner. However, we recognize that there might be some situations where you'd like your pizza a little faster on busy nights when there might be a longer wait due to the number of orders at the restaurant. For an extra fee, that may vary based on date, time, or Papa John's sole discretion. Papa Priority will ensure that your pizza is made faster and out for delivery sooner subject to terms and conditions below all right let's get into those terms and conditions below because that make that makes sense yeah, yeah papa priority only applies to a pizza you order directly from papa john's and pay the papa priority fee in addition to the applicable delivery fee okay that makes sense next papa priority moves your order to the front of the line so that it is made faster and therefore ready for delivery sooner these changes only involve in-store processes and do not affect the on-the-road delivery function or time because, of course, they don't know. They can't tell their drivers, go faster, quick! Right. Papa John's delivery drivers are always expected to make deliveries <laughs> in a safe manner, so they protected yeah. themselves there. But this is where I scratch my head a little bit because you've heard everything I've read so far. The next terms and conditions says, Papa Priority does not guarantee that your pizza will be delivered within a set time period or that the delivery will be made faster than normal. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of buried no the lead there. Cash alternative or refund available. Wait a minute. So let me go back to the top here. You want your pizza faster for an extra fee that may vary based on Dave Papa John's whole discretion. But they will ensure that your pizza is made faster and out for delivery sooner. Let's get back down to that one. Papa Priority does not guarantee <laughs> that your pizza will be delivered within a set time period or that the delivery will be made faster than normal. Papa Priority is the only is only available at participating restaurants and may be discontinued at any time. 
Uh, and they're saying it's limited to five orders total each night. So you can't get into this dueling piano situation where somebody goes, I'll pay $3, I'll pay 4 and then your pizza shows up six months later. Chris Cashman, consumer investigator, finding I that. will not rest until I get to the bottom of this situation. Uh, this is an interesting experiment. Yeah. I wonder, what what do you feel personally? Would uh, you be okay with that idea? No, well, it sounds a lot like the Uber surcharge, doesn't it? You know, time of day. I mean, you can see them putting a pretty stiff surcharge on like Super Bowl Sunday right. or the NFC Championship or some big game. Uh, but those terms and conditions are a little vague. Like it doesn't really speed anything up. And a little. And then what happens if your next door neighbor pays the surcharge? Do they go ahead of you in line? A lot of. There will almost certainly be some sort of a silly lawsuit. Yes. Some local TV affiliate. <laughs> Maybe you or I will be sent to interview the guy who is now suing them because. He claims that he paid the $3, but his neighbor got theirs faster than his. And how do they prove who got what? Trying to make more dough. Don't hide your laugh. That was, that was a solid pun. You know somebody else has already made that. Oh. All right. Well, that about does it. So I'm going to go off to Din Tai Fung. They opened the new one downtown. I saw that come across today. It immediately opened the doors. Immediately opened the doors with a three-hour wait. Ever been to Din Tai Fung? I love it. Explain the phenomenon and why this I, is news. I mean, I love it. They they have one in U Village. They have one in Bellevue. Uh, it is this restaurant that's known for its dumplings. Right. And also known for long waits. So you go to that's the one in That's not part of their marketing, right? No. Dim Tai Fong, come. Come, enjoy dumplings the wait. And stay forever. Yeah. Uh, usually if you go there with maybe a group of four people, it'll take you a couple of hours to get a table. Wow. Uh, during the dinner hour, without fail, there is always a wait. So uh, I made the joke earlier on Twitter that, hey, their doors opened at 10 a.m. downtown, so when you show up at 10 a.m., there'll be a three-hour wait. Just in time That's for dinner. That's just how it works at Dead Tide Farm. Here's how you crack the code. This is a life hack for you, Chris. You life take hack. your friends, right. you go there while you're there, order a Papa John's pizza, pay the three bucks, have it delivered while you're in line. Boom! On Twitter and Instagram at NextBestPod. This is the exclusive ending of the Next Best Podcast. <laughs> Seattle!